listening to The Only Constant, a podcast about active hope. In today's conversation, we spoke with Luciano Batoki. From embracing world-changing technologies like AI to running a CBD business, Lucy approaches life with a sense of optimism and opportunity. The reality of it is, is like, nowadays we just see the calculator like as the most simplest tool ever, right? You can use it anywhere. So in the same way, I think that's how ChatGBT is going to progress in the future, right? So okay. I think it's better to start getting used to it now and embracing that change rather mm-hmm. than to be afraid of it. Lucy also remembers a valuable lesson that helps him find inner peace every day. He only focuses on the things he can actually control. Hopefully, you find some hope today. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Let's start with your name and your pronouns. So my name is Luciano Batoki, and my pronouns are he, him, his. Okay, cool. And before we uh, had you come on the podcast today, you sent us a list of passions ranging in five wonderful things. And we're going to start out with the first of which is finance. And you are heavily involved in finance. And every time I have a conversation with you, you always teach me something new. So hopefully today is going to be somewhat similar. <laughs> well, let's talk about your involvement in that, why you love it so much. Yeah. Um, so I think my, my big passion for finance um, started in high school. So I was student council president for my high school. And part of that was dealing with the budget, right? So anything that we wanted to do for the students or whatnot, uh, we got the starting budget, but we had to also grow it and then you know, move on to use that for the funds. And it was awesome because we actually ended up with like 20000 more dollars at the end of the year than we had at the beginning of the year, right? Um, Which sounds rare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'd be surprised. Uh, I, we had like this kickoff dance that uh, we organized very well that year. So we decided to separate it for like high school and middle school. And alone from that, we probably got somewhere upwards of like 17K around there. That's amazing. Um, wow. And that was a fun activity. But yeah, and then the time came, you know, when... I was done with high school. I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? Um, so I decided to go to college, and I start looking what interests me, right? So I go down the list of subjects. Um, and I'm a, I'm a relatively smart guy. I feel like if – and I have hard uh, work ethic, right? So mm-hmm. if I dedicated myself to any of those, I'm sure I, I could have been successful. But I started really thinking about what would be the most beneficial to me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was this was a time that I was getting a lot into, like, philosophical thinking, deeper thinking, you know, really reasoning things out. And I realized, as, as sad as it is to say sometimes, you know, money doesn't buy everything, the world doesn't revolve around money. Well, to a certain extent, it does, right? Because as a civilization, as a species, we're always going to place value on something. You know, hundreds of thousands of years ago, it might have been rocks or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's a piece of paper, money. And that's how we determine value essentially right if when you think about it even this podcast is, the podcast itself is a business so the way i see it if we're going to be playing this game almost right i, I see everything like a game mm-hmm. that's how my brain works learning these kind of things that determine the rules right how do you play the game i thought would be the most uh helpful for me Okay, so when you're talking about how, oh, well, it's actually very funny how you mentioned that the world revolves around money. I literally just mentioned that in the episode prior to this one, and I'm glad to hear that I'm not crazy. <laughs> Someone else is on that same page, but at the same time, when you're talking about how we used to place value on things that we just really don't anymore, the the what we view as valuable has changed as time has gone on. Um, but it se- does it seem to you like it's a little. Um, silly at times it rely on paper so much yeah um 
I mean, even though it is so important, I mean, currency and all the fun stuff. Of course, of course. You know, and I think that it really comes down more to like a cultural thing too. Okay. Um, like in in the U.S., we're just more individualistic, right? We're pursuing our own self-interests, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, what that may be is really determines on a person's base, uh, you know, what, what they want to do, mm-hmm. right? But the way I see it, like, I'm really passionate. I know one day I want to enjoy time with friends and family. Like, that's my end goal in life, mm-hmm. right? Uh, now, am I going to have a great time if we just have a time, you know, the day we stay in at home and make some food? Sure. But I would love to take uh, my kids out, like, on a boat or something because mm-hmm. I was lucky enough that, you know, I didn't necessarily get that from my parents growing up, but mm-hmm. I was able to live around that growing up in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if I want to give that experience to my kids and spend that time with my kids, the reality is I'm going to need the funds to provide that, yep. right? Even if I want to stay at home and just cook a nice meal with my family, I need to have the money to pay that uh, home, pay mm-hmm. that food. And, you know, be secure enough that I can spend that time and not have to be working for it. Yeah, that's true. Well, honestly, I think this is a good segue because even though we're talking about paper money right now, we are, as time goes on, leaning heavier and heavier into AI and technology. Bitcoin was a thing, this whole online currency thing. So it's like... Yeah, crypto. Crypto is definitely interesting. Um, Okay, crypto, yeah. Yeah, super complex. Um, You know, boomed recently. Yeah. Uh, It's still there. The smaller ones... I guess I've been having some troubles. I'm sure you saw with FTX. I'm not sure if you're familiar. No. Yeah, so they were the the ones that uh, had the naming rights for the Miami Heat Stadium in Miami, right? And it was crazy because, like, all these famous people had a bunch of money invested in it. Like, Tom Brady lost hundreds of millions of dollars because they went bankrupt. Oh, yikes. Ooh, yeah. Um, but that's interesting. But, yeah, it's funny you bring up AI because I feel like that's redefining everything right now. Mm-hmm. You know, with ChatGBT, one of the big ones, uh, just came out last November, mm-hmm. and it's already re- redefining how we do everything. I actually, I was taking a future-oriented class earlier this year, and one of the first things they told us was that of the current college students, 80% of their jobs that they're going to hold don't exist yet. And this is something I couldn't comprehend, right? What? Yeah. This Are you is serious? I'm, I'm, I'm being super serious. This is something I couldn't comprehend until I started using ChatGBT. And I realized, like, wow, what it takes me like five to 10 minutes to write like a well-thought-out email to someone, this software can do it in 30 seconds, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So now you start thinking about the business function again, right? The whole point of business is to create uh, value, right? A good business solves a problem for the consumer and -hmm. addresses it, right? Mm. Um, And then the way that businesses keep functioning is by making a profit, Mm -hmm. right? And you make a profit by either cutting costs or raising revenues, Okay. For the AI, it's going to be huge at cutting costs because we're just going to get more efficient. Everything that took much longer before is going to, you know, be much faster now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can eliminate a lot of these functions in the in, in any business really that maybe necessarily you don't have uh, a human doing. Like mm-hmm. think about it now. Whenever you go to McDonald's or anywhere that you order, you're not talking to a anyone at a cash register anymore using a machine mm-hmm. like self-checkout check right yeah. walmart yeah. Publix, all these grocery stores too yep you know um so that's saving the company money but at the same time now you're going to need someone who manufactures these who knows how to set these up mm-hmm. who knows how to tell them what to do right because mm-hmm. the thing with chat gbt it's not like you could put a simple series of commands and it gives you everything you want like even it's a skill to mm-hmm. know how to talk to this ai and get it to do what you want <laughs> oh well, my I'm, god i'm using it at, at 
my job right now and it's it's also made me rethink at that stuff because i do like content writing marketing stuff which is being hugely affected by chat gpt mm-hmm. because it's literally a language ai and so just like you said you know it's it's great to be like write me an article about this and it'll do something like that but if you really want good results you have to give it kind of a like we have a bunch of templates that we plug into chat gpt and say write an article based on this follow this template blah 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 and then it gives you a much more thought out structured article and just to add on to your point it's going to create all these other jobs like coding ai or you know a big one i think is going to happen is you have all these deep fakes coming mm-hmm. out i think there's going to be a whole job like to decode deep fakes <laughs> and just yeah. be like this is not real well what i think is going to be like a huge industry is the security aspect of it right like right now mm. especially for academic writing turnitin doesn't catch it you know you could use it for whatever you want um, yep. wow but at the same time you know <laughs> mini conversation on that it's interesting because i just see it as a tool yeah you know back in the, the 1980s 1986 1988 teachers across the country went on strike you know why for the calculators yeah they didn't want calculators to calculators. be used in, in schools, especially, you know, um, elementary and high school, because they thought that it was just going to, like, completely in- eliminate the concept of mathematics, right? Mm. That people weren't going to be able to memorize all these formulas or ways of doing it, that they were just going to rely on this machine. But the reality of it is, is, like, nowadays we just see the calculator, like, as the most simplest tool ever, right? And you use it, you can use it anywhere. Any job you have that yeah. you need to do math, you're going to be able to use a calculator, Excel, any form of calculator, yeah. right? So in the same way, I think that's how ChatGBT is going to like progress in the future, right? So okay. I think it's better to start getting used to it now and embracing that change rather mm-hmm. than to be afraid of it. Right? I mean, I'm glad you said embracing change. That's literally part of our vision, right, for the podcast. But at the same time, I think it's also important to keep in mind that while there are jobs that will be necessary to maintain, produce, and sell these units, right? There's also a huge portion of the population that relies on jobs that are, frankly, somewhat tedious tasks that AI is now taking care of. Self-checkout, for example, just like we were saying, you know, talking to the register, stocking shelves. I saw Walmart here literally at the end of Tennessee Street, so not the nicest Walmart by far. <laughs> and there was a robot going around the, the aisles, like, looking at things, and when you walked in front of it, it stopped. And then it was like, it would like let you pass. It was like taking inventory or something. But eventually they're just going to start restocking that with robots rather than humans. Yeah, you should you should see any Amazon warehouse. That is just, and that's, so in one way, it's somewhat frightening because a lot of my job is writing emails to people. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, hey, we're all set for your tour on this day. Or it's like, oh, I answer the same questions over and over again in creative ways, right? It's just, that's my job, right? But it seems like as these as we are getting more efficient, it seems like the human skill set has to expand. It's like we have no choice. Otherwise, we can't move forward. Yeah. And what's interesting is, you know, to kind of comprehend this, a good example I like to think about, not around 100 years ago, we relied mostly on like horses to get around, whether it was riding them or pulling carriages, right? Mm. Um, And then we said, we want to get faster, right? We want to have more efficient means of transportation. Now, one ideology might have been like, let's keep the system in play mm-hmm. and whip the horses harder, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That necessarily wouldn't <laughs> make them go faster, right? Put a pair of blinders on them. <laughs> now, yeah. Well, <laughs> what happened was that 
you know, Henry Ford came out with Ford and invented the automobile and everything. Mm. And that in itself changed the whole industry because now you don't have the people that are breeding the horses, taking care of them. But now you've created all these factories where they're producing these cars. Um, you've created people who make stoplights. Mm. You know, police officers that are patrolling the roads have a much larger role now. Mm. You're creating all these new jobs that no one could have even thought of when people moved around in horses, right? That's in true. the same way that that's happening today. We just can't fathom where this is going. That's true. Okay, well, that's actually, I'm really glad that you took it from, you know, that frightening standpoint and you shifted it over to a hopeful standpoint because actually I think that is a great way to view it how it is. It's literally just what we want to do. It's embracing change so hopefully it can be used for progress. So, real quick, as someone who studied finance, mm -hmm. do you think that AI changing industries the way it is because, okay, the the car thing is a great example the internet is probably the most modern comparable thing to ai at the moment because it was such a big change mm -hmm. um but i think ai is kind of has the potential to change so many industries in a short amount of time mm -hmm. not just okay we're no longer using horses anymore right mm -hmm. so what i was going to say is do you think that there's a possibility our economic system is going to have to change as this might not be anytime soon, but maybe in the next 20, 30, 40 years, mm -hmm. if, as AI just gets better. What yeah. do you think? So what I want to stress, you know, innovation is not linear. That's because the next product has to be considerably better than the last, right? Mm -hmm. We're talking about increasing efficiency and whatnot. So it's exponential, right? Mm. Um, and yeah, we're going to see a lot more technological advances go by faster. I mean, mm -hmm. look at the last century, right? Like, what did we achieve between 1900 and 2000? And how much have we achieved so since 2000? I know. That's crazy. It's crazy. Um, so as far as changing, you know, the way we conduct the economy, what's really interesting is think about the concept of, like, debit cards and credit cards. They've taken over, right? We Before, we used to rely mostly on cash. Mm -hmm. We were even at a gold standard at one point, right? But mm -hmm. now everything's electronic. Um and that's interesting because uh, how is AI going to like go into that? One of the big, going back to that, I'm sorry, but one of the big uh, fields that it's going to like increase is cybersecurity. Because mm -hmm. now you're talking like anyone can hack into any account and you know take any amount of money. Uh, but I, I do feel like one day cash is going to go extinct, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're just going to rely on this virtual funding. And uh, you know, as far as, I guess, economic related jobs or financial related jobs right wall street used to be like this thing that you saw in the movies right where everyone was screaming across the trading floor um the wolf on wall street yeah love that movie <laughs> yeah so that's that's very like um movie of like what wall street used to be and now mm -hmm. everything's done on a computer um mm -hmm. even these brokers like are losing a lot of their jobs because you can have an ai system do it right mm -hmm. yeah but I think that brings us to a good point, though. As time goes on, while we are leaning heavy, I bring this up on every tour that I give because parents who have their children wanting to go into the fine arts or something are, like, shitting themselves because they're like, how on earth are you going to make money? Because it is a true thing because the market, as it continues, is so subjective and selective and oversaturated, specifically when it comes to the performing arts. But I tell them every time, as we lean heavier and heavier into AI and technology, correct me if you think I'm wrong or if you have a different point of view, but I think that the value of human interaction increases as that continues forward. I agree. I agree. And I think it's all a matter of perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Um because 
take social media, for example, right? As many negatives as it has, uh, that I'm sure have been discussed in this podcast <laughs> previously, uh, you could use it for a lot of positives, right? So I remember I, I was born in Peru, right? Uh, I moved here to the U.S. And in 2011, I made my first Facebook account. And literally all I would use it for was to like see the pictures of my relatives that are now thousands of miles away mm. and just kind of like stay caught up with them, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm. I remember Skype was huge before FaceTime yep. or, or Zoom or, you know, COVID redefined all these uh, platforms. But yeah. I used to Skype like my family all the time, um, you know, back home. And that's what's interesting. Like, it's the same thing with technology. We're just so interconnected nowadays, right? And we have the, the access to all this information. In reality, no one has to go to college anymore, right? Mm -hmm. No one has to get any form of schooling. You could do a lot of self-teaching because you have all this information online. Um, one of the big things where I think AI is also going to take over, like, I don't use Google anymore. If I need a search engine, I just ask ChatGBT. It's, it's already happening, yeah. Really? Yeah, because on top of that, I could also ask it, like, give me your sources. And then it'll give me yep. a list of sources and, like, I can verify those. And it's just much easier because it's making that function easier. And that's why I'm saying you got to start, you know, playing with it now and getting used to it because you realize that this is a tool. And, mm -hmm. yes, it can be used for a lot of bad. Mm -hmm. But if it's used correctly, like, you could just do so much. Mm -hmm. And then, but uh, where are we at right now, Ted? Uh, we're about 17 minutes in. Oh, good. So I... I'm just thinking about, and again, I, I try to be very uh, careful to make sure we stay on positive things on the mm -hmm. show now. But, you know, when I'm thinking of people who are, are in the generation above or even above that and, and the what they're having to face now, because as the wage gap has continued to separate as time has gone on, because we had the first Gilded Age, some would argue we're in a second Gilded Age now in terms of like how much these multi-billionaire people like how much money they have as compared to the normal american citizen and you have people who let's say they're trying to retire at 65 right which is no longer the retirement age by the way what is the retirement age now it's 67 67 okay so according to social security all right yeah so when you're thinking about how you can retire two, you have to retire two years later and how these people have to adapt yeah. to keep their job what would you what would you say to someone who's in a position where they do want to retire by 67 but their job might be taken away i know this is a difficult question yeah but their job might be taken no, no, away. no i love this question okay um and it comes back to to change right mm -hmm. so the reason the, the retirement age used to be 65 they've raised it to 67 and to me that's a very logical and simple thing right because okay what it's based on is um which, by the way, it's the same thing as the drinking age, but nobody wants to, like, address this, right? <laughs> Whenever they came up with that number, 65, because that's a human invent, right? Um, it was based on life expectancy. And obviously, since then, life expectancy, because of technological advances, has gone up, which is why we've raised it to 67, hmm. right? Um, and as far as you say, you know, this lag, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest downfalls of, like, our education system and even to some extent, the government, right? Because now you have, like, all the government officials freaking out about TikTok and, like, um, crypto and, like, all these, like, and modern they don't even know concepts. how to talk about it to, like, make right. laws about it. <laughs> but it comes back to this thing I said, you know, like, of the current college students, 80% of their jobs don't exist yet. So how could we possibly be preparing a generation that's prepared for that Yeah. if we have this lack in education? And you know where I think the answer is? AI, right? Okay. Because, like you said, yes, there was many years in between the... The, the full transition between car and horse was made. Mm -hmm. um, 
But again, even then, adapting now to change is, ex is exponential in the same way, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like AI is going to help us eliminate or at least shorten this gap of infor uh, information, right? Or this lag, I should say, of information. Okay, cool. Well, thank you again for taking somewhat that can seem negative and making it hopeful. That was cool. Um, so last thing before we take a break, if you're okay with this, Ted, I just want to touch uh, based on every, because I think it's a nice little bow on top of this half. Every, everything we've talked about, the future, innovation, preparing, you know, 80% of the jobs that don't exist yet. What is your 50-year plan? That is something that you mentioned prior to coming on the podcast. Yeah, and it, yeah. was, it just floored me because that's a long time. <laughs> yeah. So I got to actually attribute, you know, every, everything of the following things I'm going to say to Mr. James Seneff. He's a very kind gentleman. He donates to Florida State here. And he actually funded the uh, Seneff Honors Program, which is uh, the honors program in the College of Business almost, right? Mm -hmm. So there they taught us, like, how to prepare and, like, plan and be ready for these things, right? Um, so I'll bring up a quick story before I dive into that. And this is something my dad told me um, when I was younger, and it has just always stuck around. I don't know how much science there is behind it to it, but <laughs> it makes sense to me, right? Okay. So we know that any object that has mass has a certain gravitational pull. It's true. Even if ever so slightly, mm -hmm. like you and I both do, right? Um, when you want to achieve something, it's an idea, right? It's in your head. But that idea takes up like a certain amount of your cells or you know neurons in your brain, right? Mm -hmm. The more you think about this idea, the more it grows, the more space in your brain it takes. When you write it down, it grows by 10 times the size, you know, whatnot, whatever, right? Okay. Um, the more, uh, it's almost like manifesting. The more you put into this idea, it like brings like this small gravitational pull of like, you know, the universe or whatnot. Okay, that's cool. Um, but I think the more logical way to think it, what the 50-year plan taught me, um, you just kind of start off very broad. You think about like a future that you would want to be at um, and you start writing down everything you can about it. You know, who's going to be there? Uh, what are you going to be doing? Where are you going to be? And it, nothing has to be set in stone, you know, just start brainstorming. Mm -hmm. Okay. Once you have that idea, you ask yourself, okay, I'm at point A. This is point B. How am I going to get from point A to point B? You start breaking it down into steps. So when I started my 50-year plan, further down the line, I would break it up into decades. So like from 40 to 50, from 30 to 40, and then in five years. And then you get back to now, you break it up in single years. And the closer you get back, you break it up, break it up, break it up, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, I, like I said, one day I want to have my family. I want to spend quality time with my, uh, my friends and family. I can see you on that boat right now. I would love to have a boat. <laughs> so I know to have a boat. Uh, I need to complete my studies and you know pursue my career. I want to be a securities lawyer. So I still got to go through law school and everything, but I'm starting to put like these steps in the plan, right? And once you have these steps, it could be seven, it could be 10, it could be 25. You want to just define almost these checkpoints, right? Mm -hmm. All you got to focus on like currently is getting past that first step. Okay. Right. So like for me, I know like I need to study for the LSAT right now so that I get into law school. That's my next step, right? Of the mm -hmm. application process. And mm -hmm. then completing law school will be the next step. Once I get out of law school, I know I need to get a job, but it's overwhelming to think about it all at once. Yeah. So if we break down everything into these smaller and smaller steps and just focus on like the one goal that we need to like be doing right now, it just makes everything so much more attainable. Mm. And I'm not saying everything's going to be, you know, linear, like we said, you're going to be zigzagging, you're going to be going up and down, but that's where kind of you have to adjust, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why you're taking it step by step though. Cause if you need to make that change, 
mm-hmm. you can make it at a smaller level rather than having this overwhelm again overwhelming idea of like oh my god what am i going to be doing next year what am i going to be doing five years from now now you have if I would, I would love to write i have my 50-year plan right written down right okay um so you, you can always go back and reference it and you have this goal you're working towards and that in itself is giving you motivation and like direction right mm-hmm. so i think that's why the 50-year plan is so great that's awesome. that's awesome that's a good note to end this first half on i think all right we'll be right back after the break We'd like to take a second to shout out our monthly patrons. Thank you to Aaron B., Christina S., Corbin G., Dan W., Mimi S., and Kareem A. for the continuous support of the podcast. Everything we do on this show wouldn't be possible without the generous support of listeners like you. Consider joining us on Patreon, where for just a dollar a month, you can support the podcast and help us even more in the conversation about active hope. Now, back to the episode. Hey, everybody, and we are back, and on to the second half. Now, we are on the fourth passion that you sent us, and you wanted to talk about, and I think this actually leads very nicely into this, like, second half, uh, seeing as how we closed off the first one, um, globalization and mm-hmm. how that makes you think of humanization as things are continuing to expand and we have never been more connected. What is humanization to you? Yeah, so just kind of like a little bit of background on that, kind of how I was talking about thanks to social media and AI and all these technologies, we just have like this access to all this information, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so globalization, right, is this coming together of cultures or countries or whatnot, like how information just travels so quickly. What I mean by humanization, right? Now, think about it. How many people do you come into contact with compared to someone like 50, 100, maybe 200 years ago even, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot more because you have access to these tools where you can like communicate with people on the other side of the world, mm-hmm. right? So my thing is like when I meet someone new, I love to learn something interesting about them, them and tell them something interesting about me because it all comes down to perspectives, right? We all view the world from our different angle. We all have our experiences that shape us and having more access to more people gives you almost like a better understanding of the world. So and so, your view of humanization is actually staying connected to the people that you are seemingly connected to, you know, because I feel like, as you said, we are in contact with more people than we were 50, 100 years ago or so. But I would also argue the value of those human connections are less so. Like they are, I don't want to say not as integral because I feel like human experience and connection is still so important to who we are. But at the same time, it just used to be like, no matter what, you were seeing someone face-to-face. If you wanted to communicate with someone, you wrote a letter. And I feel like that is that takes so much more um, brain cells, <laughs> let's say, than, than sending, you know, a text or whatever across the globe. It's like, but at the same time... And it's more tangible. Sorry to interrupt, but it's more tangible. Yes, thank you, Ted. You see the person in the handwriting a little bit. Yes, absolutely. But at the same time, the way that you described how you use Skype to communicate with your family from Peru when you were in the States. I mean, that is something that you couldn't get 50 to 100 years ago. So I think it's really interesting how you balance those two things. Well, think about it like 50 to 100 years ago or whenever you want. Um, Mm -hmm. Even further back than that, if I wanted to visit like a family member that lived in another country, it would have taken me days, maybe months to get there. Uh, Now I could hop on a plane, you know, Mm -hmm. the the money permits. (laughs) and I'll be there in a couple hours. Uh, but that that's also why 
yes, I feel like we've lost that face-to-face a lot, mm-hmm. but it's because technology allows us to do this like in a cheaper and more efficient way. Like I said, yeah. you know, like the Skype, I'm not having to pay hundreds of dollars to get on a flight to go wherever. I can just talk to someone. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, I would argue that it's made human interaction that much more, you know, special and important, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And the way I see it, like, I value spending that quality time with the people I love, you mm-hmm. know, I care for. Mm-hmm. So it's made that more important to me, I guess. Yeah. I'd love to hop in and just say, like, my job is remote, so I do a lot of my meetings over video, right? And that's great, and I get to learn about people through talking and conversation. But next week, as of recording this, I'm going to a marketing trip for our company, so I'm flying out to the headquarters and... And I honestly don't like missing it because it's one of the only times in the year or in the, you know, in three, every three months where I get to actually see people in person. Mm-hmm. And every time I've seen people at my company in person, I feel like I get way closer with them than any time in a remote setting. And that's not to bash remote jobs. I actually think it's great that we're able to work from anywhere, but mm-hmm. it's like finding that balance of using technology to your advantage, but also remembering to go interact with people in person because that's actually where it happens yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. i agree i agree and it, it's giving um that much more value to that in-person yeah. experience like we said uh and you know what's interesting a lot of companies are having a lot of issues with this remote workplace and everything having like a hard time establishing company culture or like you know getting employees to build that team yeah. environment also right? holding people accountable is more difficult too yeah make sure their job gets done on time but the reality is, like we said, we have to embrace this change, right? So yeah. after after COVID, it's redefined the entire workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people just find it a lot more convenient to work from home. Or it might work better for the schedule, whatever it may be. Yeah. But that's why I'm not necessarily like in favor of like a fully in-person um, work uh, setup, I guess, nowadays. Yeah. Neither uh, – remote one right Mm -hmm. i love the hybrid one where they let you like maybe go into the office two days a week or three days a week and you work from home the other three yeah because i I feel like you still need that like interaction and feel right Mm -hmm. yeah but at the same time like there's a reality now right yeah like we said i mean that's why i mean i i've held i mean ted and i have had so many conversations on this but i have held so true to the idea that you know i want to have a guest in i want to have our guests in person sitting in front of us we can because i mean i've brought this up before but like something crazy, like 75% of how humans communicate is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you are communicating communicating someone or communicating with someone remotely, it can be very difficult to gauge how do you actually feel about that question? You know, it's like, or whatever it might be. But at the same time, every other job within the podcast, because like you say, eventually we can think about it as a business, right? Ted, Ted and I have already spoken about how we would love for this to be like a nonprofit or something as time goes on, right? But at the same time, all of the jobs, the people who are being paid to help us, they're all remote. Mm-hmm. They're all in different locations. And frankly, if we moved to two separate places in the country, we could still do what we needed to do. Yes, recording might um, be different because maybe in person might not be an option anymore. But at the same time, we have the opportunity to do that now because of AI and technology. Yeah. Um, and just to kind of touch on that, I just want to go back to like, yes, the, there's negatives, but like the positive aspects of it. Um, yes, you want to like interview all these people and have them on the podcast or, you know, have them talk a little bit um, mm-hmm. in person. But just maybe, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe there's like uh, 
you know, this really cool person in Europe that has like great perspectives to share. And for X, Y, Z reason, um, they can't make it out. Exactly. But now you still have the capability to like have that communication with them and maybe have them on through a remote um, method or whatnot. Yes. And still get that perspective. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, you know, back in the day, that just wouldn't have been possible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're already improving that, honestly. I've seen ads for this thing called Riverside. Um, or whatever it's called. So it's like, as compared to using, so like instead of using Zoom for your podcast, use Riverside, it's a lot better video feed, all that fun stuff. Either way, it seems like we were innovating and improving the technology that we have. I just think it's so crazy how, as we continue to talk about everything, there's good and bad parts of it, but you seem to stay on the good part of it, which is awesome. <laughs> well, um, you know, one of the big things, like I mentioned, uh, I guess prior, I'm, I'm big on gratitude. Yes. Right? Um, so... And it might just be, like I said, my experiences that shaped me the way to be. Like, I was born in a third world country during a dictatorship, mm. you know, in, in Peru during a Fujimori. Oh, my and God. That's, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just got blessed enough that my mom, through her hard work, you know, got me here to the U.S. Um, but then on top of that, you know, once I've been given this opportunity, like you said, you can you, you can lead someone to a door but it's up to them to open it and walk through it. Mm -hmm. You get me? Um, so I try to stay on the positive because I look at all these opportunities that I've been giving and it's like, why wouldn't I take advantage of them? Mm. Right? Um, so for me, like I always strive to, this this big idea of self-improvement, right? Uh, because I, I just want to be the best that I can be in the given scenario that I was given because I know that I can get to somewhere better. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, you just did a natural segue to the last thing we were going to talk about, which is self-improvement and how you go about doing that. Yeah. So for me, I think it starts at you have to be at peace with yourself, this concept of inner peace, right? Okay. Um, you got to realize that there's so many things in the external environment around you, but you can only control so much of them. I know, like, for me, one of my big things that I had to, like, use this for was when my parents got divorced when I was uh, a sophomore in high school, right? Mm. Like, to me, that was really hard at first. Uh, I had some trouble understanding it or really coping with it. But the president of my school, he was very good in talking me through that. Uh, Father Willie, I went to a Jesuit high school. Okay. And it has a lot of, the, these Jesuit ideals have a lot of influence on the way I think, right? Okay. Um, but he kind of told me, like, there's the things that you can control and the things you can't control. So d there's no use in worrying these things you can't control because they're going to happen regardless. Mm -hmm. You got to focus on what you can't control, right? So... If you focus on the aspects of your life that you can make a change in and you work to make those better and you worry less about the ones that just happen, mm. kind of cope with them, you can reach this state of uh, internal peace that I'm saying, right? Yeah. You have to be okay with your decisions. So I know like one good example was when I was um, interviewing here to go into college at Florida State for my undergraduate, I got invited to the presidential uh, scholars program. Okay. Which Chris May, who's been on the podcast before, is actually a presidential scholar. Hey. So I was a finalist. <laughs> I had to come interview, right? And I thought I gave the best interview of my life. Um, I was very uh, happy with the way I had presented myself, essentially, right? And I knew I had done everything in my power to show them who I was and, like, why I deserved it. You did your best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I knew. I, I fell in love with this place. Whether I got this or not, I was going to end up coming here. But I was at peace with the fact that I had done everything I could control. Mm -hmm. And the re it was up to them, right? I didn't end up getting it, but I still came here. I had a great time. I found a bunch of other opportunities. Looking back at it, 
maybe if I didn't get that, it wouldn't have pushed me to get some of the other things, like, you know, the Senate program I was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just being like, okay with maybe things aren't going to go your way, but just knowing that you gave everything that you could give, right? Mm -hmm. um, and once you have this inner peace, that you're okay with your decisions, you can move forward to, like I said, focusing on the things you can't control. Mm -hmm. And that's where you find that improvement or, I guess, raise in efficiency that you would, just like a, a, a company would, you're your own company. You know, we talk, one of the big things we'll teach you in any marketing class is like branding, right? How do you present yourself uh, to the people around you or, yeah. you know, to the world, right? Um, so you just got to be comfortable with who you are. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't give you an excuse to be like, you know, rude to everyone, right? But focus on improving the good aspects and not so much on dwelling on the bad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dang. Hey, that was nice. That was good. <laughs> I like how you tied it back into finance, too, and to think about yourself as a company. And honestly, in that, in that same line, um, uh, once again, talking about the podcast, but Ted and I and just our entire creative team and figuring out what our brand is, you know, how we go about achieving that and how much things have changed, acknowledging the things that we really couldn't change. And honestly, acknowledging that you have to start somewhere. It's like you can't. It's not like it's the, the perfect product is going to come out right off the get-go, you know? And I think that we still, it's not like it's perfect now, but we're continuing. That is the direction, right? That's the goal. Um, not that it's attainable, <laughs> but ideally everyone's pursuing that, right? Yeah, and it's not going to happen overnight. Absolutely not. You know, one, uh, one of the big things that people forget, like take Steve Jobs as an example, right? Everyone attributes him to Apple and the, the iPhone. Well, the first iPhone didn't come out until 2006, 2007, 2008, around that time. Wow, yeah. Um, but he's been work. He was working on Apple products since the '80s. Mm -hmm. Even Amazon, and he started the company out of his garage, right? Um, and even Amazon, like, has been around since '93. They used to only sell uh, books. Books. Yeah, and look what they are now. You know, <laughs> I think their share price was like over three thousand dollars at the peak of COVID, wow. which is just insane. Uh, I heard a really great quote once: uh, "You have like a one in one trillion chance." of being the next uh, J Jeff Bezos. <laughs> but if it makes you feel better, so did he when he was your age. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Go ahead. Ted. Well, uh, <laughs> I think with that quote, we should get into the last question of the day, which is um, what's something that you do on your own that brings some joy into the world, brings some hope just, just for you or in your personal life? I think, for me, I enjoy sharing my experiences, sharing my, my knowledge, and helping others. Hmm. That's what makes me happy, right? Um, so I got lucky enough, for example, this is just like a very small example, right? But I graduated early because I came to college with 40 credits or you know whatnot. Um, so it's funny because all of my friends that are in the college of business, they're like a year behind, right? So something as simple as like recommending what professor to take or like how to approach a certain class, right? Um, or like for me, I, I'm i all into this planning like we talked about. Mm -hmm. Like I did my entire uh, course schedule for every single semester like freshman year when I got here. Um, wow. Damn. And I know that the advising office can be a bureaucratic nightmare, right? So whenever I get the chance, if I could help people, you know, plan their schedule, maybe fix up their resume, or even just give some friendly advice, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like that's what makes me really happy because the more I look at it, the more I analyze like how I got here, like 
it's a result of hundreds of people, individuals that just helped me, whether it be through like leading me to this opportunities that I chose to walk through the door, like we said earlier, um, or just giving some advice, giving a new perspective, uh, which is what this podcast does at the end of the day, right? It's <laughs> helping you think and see things maybe from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where it comes back to humanization because once we start understanding all these points of views, you really see why people view the world they do and mm-hmm. you get a better idea of the world, right? Yeah. Dude, thanks again for coming on today. This is a great conversation, man. Uh, I know that we've been talking about this for a while and <laughs> it's exciting. I'm glad I came on now. Um, I'm at peace. You know, it happened like it happened because... Yeah, for real. We've. I remember when you first started this podcast, you know, I've seen it grow. I've I've seen it yeah, turn into what it is, and it, it's awesome. And I'm just glad that I'm grateful I got to be a part of it, and especially you know now season four. Yeah, uh, for real, man. So this is this is crazy. Who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I was thinking about it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Real quick before we go, I know you're a busy guy. Do you have anything you want to like plug or tell people about? Yeah. So I actually just started work recently a couple months ago for this CBD company called Happy Healthy Human H3. Um, and you know, I've kind of been in charge of it. It's, it's all CBD products and we promote well-being. Uh, so if you could just go check, uh, go check out the webpage, that'd be, that'd be awesome. We'll link that in the show notes. So H3, happy, healthy human. Yes. That's awesome. Well, dude, thanks again for coming on today. I really enjoyed this conversation. And for those of you listening, that was Luciano Patoki. And hopefully you found some hope today. Thanks for listening to The Only Constant. We show how people use their passions to change the world around them every day. To learn more about our mission, visit OnlyConstantPodcast.com. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at OnlyConstantPodcast to see even more and stay updated with the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or Spotify, leaving a review or rating for the podcast helps us learn what's working and what's not. We value your feedback. Hopefully, you found some hope today.